The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, Disability Law Show. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Loving it. It's about time we got some of these temperatures. That is uh, that is for sure. Look, you want to reach out any time to Savan and his team. It's one 821 5900 website is disabilityrights.ca. Put a help at in front of that. You can reach them by email. And also covidrights.ca, some uh, some information there as well in the current climate, uh, current climate of what's going on all around us for sure, covidrights.ca. We will get to three excuses insurance companies are giving for denying COVID-19-related disability claims. That is coming up here in just a, a bit. And your emails, of course. But first, you got a, a few things you want to chat about first. event. how are you, pal? I'm very good, John. Yeah, let's start yeah. off with, uh, you know, the fact that everybody is still holed up at home. Yes, it's beautiful weather. Uh, we've had some great weather over the last few days. But, uh, you know, we're still in, in lockdown mode. And, you know, it's still causing tremendous amount of stress for people, anxiety, depression. And, uh, you know, I, I actually got earlier this week, last week, I, I, I got uh, a, a LinkedIn uh, um, article that uh, was was very apropos to what we're dealing with. And, you know, the title was Easing Stress in the Pandemic Era. And what caught my eye is is the first line in the article that said that approximately 11 million Canadians will experience high levels of stress in family and work settings over the pandemic, Global News reports. Uh, and, and, you know, they're following up based on their SARS statistics from 2003, and they're trying to project mm-hmm. forward uh, about this new psychological pandemic that is upon us, not just us, but, you know, globally. And sure. and this is going to work its way in when we talk about those excuses that insurance companies are starting to churn out there for individuals who are applying for long-term disability or short-term disability as a result of this stress and anxiety uh, that they're experiencing. So we'll get into that. But what I want people to understand is that, you know, being disabled from working as a result of the psychological impact of COVID-19 and everything related to it is legitimate. If you have a doctor, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, someone who's treating you who says, yes, I agree with you, in my opinion, medical opinion or otherwise, you are unable to work because of this condition, you are disabled and you apply for short-term or long-term disability, you should be approved if you're unable to work, okay, period. So again, we're going to circle back to this, John, uh, once we get to the excuses that insurance companies are, are throwing out there now because of COVID-19. Again, the uh, the number is uh, 1-855-821-5900. Lots more to, uh, to get through. Uh, keep it going. Keep it going. What else you got? Well, as you know, and, and of course, many of our listeners know, Terry Corcoran, uh, yep. who, who is, who is a resident uh, insurance expert, he's not with us here now, but he listens every weekend to our shows. And, you know, God bless his heart, this, this gentleman was in the insurance industries, uh, in, in, in industry for over 30 years, and he's got a wealth of information and knowledge. We're going to have him here again. But, John, one thing he emailed me about after the last show uh, was something interesting that I want to raise with listeners, and, and it's this. In the long-term disability context, if you're dealing with long-term disability, you'll recall that to qualify for long-term disability within the first two years, you have to demonstrate with the assistant of your doctors or whoever's treating you that you're unable to do your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the test changes. It becomes you cannot do any occupation for which uh, you you have training, education, or experience. And the point that he was making, and I'm going to quote him here, is he says, most policies 
This is long-term disability policies. Most policies mm -hmm. will define the own occupation as the, quote, inability to perform the essential duties of your occupation, right. end quote. And it's that word essential that can become rather important. Here's what he writes. Whether it's a short-term disability claim or the own occupation period of an LTD claim, insurance companies will typically request your employer to provide them with a detailed description of your occupational duties. Once they receive those duties, he's seen, and this is Terry speaking here, he's seen insurance companies cherry pick your job description and then invent a reason to deny your claim. You understand? Wow. So let's say that your employer says that you have 20 different things you do at your job, and let's say five of those things you can still do, but 15 you can't, insurance companies will sometimes cherry pick those five they think you can right. do, and on that basis say, well, you're not disabled from performing the essential aspects of your own occupation or any occupation, whatever the case may be. So again, this is going to become relevant when we talk about other issues here, and especially the next thing that I'm going to talk to you about, which is a question that was uh, uh, posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at disabilityrights.ca is the email to reach out. I think you still got some time to get through this one as well. Uh, what do you got? Fantastic. So let me go right to that question that was posted. So yep. this came from uh, Michelle, and, and here's what she writes. She says, uh, "Am I obligated to provide my my long term disability insurer with my work experience for the past ten years, current resume, computer skills, hobbies, etc.? I am currently on LTD, and this information has just been requested." I do not feel I need to provide this. Am I correct? So, you know, my answer to her uh, was, well, hold on for a second. Uh, it, it, you know, there is a question here as to whether or not you need to provide this or not. If you don't provide it from a practical standpoint, your insurance company, rightly or wrongly, may say that you're not being compliant with their reasonable requests. Right. And, and if they do that, they may end up cutting you off LTD just on that basis. Now, we can help you if that happens. But just understand that if you refuse to provide that information, automatically the insurance company may very well take the position you're not compliant and cut you off. But the question is here, right, circling back to my last point, why are they so interested in figuring out this lady's past history for the last 10 years? Why do they want to know her uh, current mm -hmm. resume, her computer skills, etc.? Why? Well, the reason is fairly simple, I think, that now that we understand the context. And the reason is because they are trying to cherry pick what other types of skills or jobs can can Michelle do here? Because if she's approaching that two-year mark where the test for LTD changes from own occupation to any occupation, they can say, well, look, you can do all these other skills, all these other jobs. Look, there are 10 other jobs out there you can do. And on that basis, we're going to cut you off. We're going to stop your payments at that two-year mark or earlier. So that's something you need to understand. If the insurance company is asking you for all this background, for uh, you know your resume, your work history, etc., chances are what they're doing is it's trying to figure out if there's something else you can do. You're probably approaching that two-year mark, and they're trying to figure out how they can get you off claim. So you know your, your spidey sense is, is is you know should be really really uh, uh, working here, and you know you should be contacting us obviously, contacting me directly, and I can sort of guide you through that process of what to give them, what not to give them. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. You know, insurance companies, John, they're in the business of of, of making money. One yep. of the ways they do it, one of the main ways they do it, is not paying you. So they have to figure out the way, an excuse to give you as to why they're not going to pay you. And that's where we come in. That's where we come in to force them to pay you what you're owed. 
Want to get to the three excuses insurance companies are giving for denying COVID-19 related disabilities. That is on the way after a, after a short break. Reaching out, simple. Write this down. Keep it. It's toll free. Uh, if only for a chat, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website for uh, Savant's firm. You can go there, listen to past radio shows and also details and find out where we do our weekly TV show as well. You can view those. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And as uh, Savant just mentioned, a wonderful resource for you anytime to use. Again, free, mydisabilityquestions.com. There's an archive of thousands of questions there. You can search yours, see if it's already been answered. If not, leave it there. And it will be answered really, really soon after. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is that website. We'll take a short break here. Disability Law Show continues on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to Disability Law Show. You want to reach out to do it. 1-855-821-5900 is the phone number. You can go to disabilityrights.ca anytime as well. We'll try to get to a couple of your emails or a few of your emails during the remainder of the hour. That is simply help at disabilityrights.ca. But for now, three, count them, three excuses insurance companies are giving for denying COVID-19-related disability claims. This is about as current as it could be, Savan. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, John. And let me tell you something. I had to work really hard to to cut these down to three, okay, because I'm getting a slew of people, a ton of people from literally across the country emailing me with these kinds of questions. And, of course, we have offices and we're operational in Ontario, all over Ontario and in British Columbia. Uh, But slowly we're expanding to other jurisdictions too. So let's start off with those three excuses that I see insurance companies giving currently. Uh, very, very recently, as recently as last right. week, I've seen for denying COVID nineteen related uh, claims. Number one, first one is this. Here, I'll, uh, let me read it. No, you can answer. You it. Well, we oh, can't do is. it the other way around. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, number one is this: you can't get LTD for psychologically related COVID nineteen disabilities, such as anxiety. You got depression there, PTSD, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, and John, I'm telling you, just yesterday I got a gentleman emailing me about exactly that when the insurance company denied his claim for long-term disability because they're saying that the fact that you were psychologically disabled, they weren't taking even issue with that. They weren't challenging the medical documentation that he gave that supports the fact that he is psychologically disabled now because of anxiety, depression, and everything that comes with that because of the COVID-19 situation. They weren't taking issue with that. What they're, they're taking issue with is they're saying that alone is not enough to qualify you for LTD. You have to be sick as a result of the COVID-19 virus. Absolute garbage. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. There is no policy out there. None that will tell you that the only qualification for LTD is to have that COVID-19 virus. Why? Because all these individuals who are now applying for LTD had these policies from way before COVID-19 was even on the map. So it's not even possible. Look, if you are disabled from working because of a psychological disability, psychological issue, and it can be depression, and it can be PTSD or a phobia or something else that's psychologically debilitating for you, or if it's a physical disability, or it's a mixture of two, you know, I mean, people, for example, that have chronic pain, as an example, oftentimes will have a mix of psychological and physical mm. uh, uh, symptoms and disabling conditions that will culminate in the person being unable to work. 
So the point is that, no, that adjuster is wrong. And I'll tell you this, this is one of those claims, one of those excuses that is so ridiculous on its face that if I were to get involved, I would not be surprised if a simple email or letter from me to the adjuster would make the insurance company back off and put this person on claim. And remember, John, I've said this now for several shows. Insurance companies are still in business. They're still accepting premiums. Just look at your you know, credit card balances and, and, and cards uh, and bank accounts. You know, you're still paying premiums for your car insurance, house insurance, whatever other insurance. They're still taking money. They're still paying out claims. They're still there. Don't be afraid to make a claim for long-term disability or short-term disability if, in fact, you are disabled from working. Now, I want to make something clear. Uh, there, is, there, there is a denial uh, or a set of denials that I've now seen recently where insurance companies are saying, look, you're not saying you're disabled. You're saying that you're afraid to go into work because you have some kind of, of, of an immune-compromised uh, condition. Mm -hmm. so, so you're taking a precautionary step. In other words, you don't want to go to work because you're afraid you're going to contract COVID-19 and you're going to pass it on to a family member that's immunocompromised, whatever. And so for that, you want to apply for LTD. No, you cannot do that. LTD is not there in order to cover you as a precautionary step. LTD is there as a safety net in the event that you are disabled from working, not, not because you are afraid that you're going to become sick. Okay, so there's a difference. But, but the point I, 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 you know, we made at the beginning, the, the, the excuse the insurance companies are giving, that you cannot apply or get LTD if you are psychologically disabled because of COVID-19, that is absolute nonsense. We can challenge that, and we will win if we challenge the insurance companies on that. The three excuses insurance companies are giving for denying COVID-19 related disability claims. Number two is this. You're not getting regular treatment, so we're going to cut you off LTD. All right, so this is interesting because we talked about this before. Remember, I mean, many clinics are not working or they're working yep. remotely or they, some of them have you know, limited capability for treating you. And some treatments you cannot have unless it's done you know, physically. You know, I used to go to a chiropractor because, because, you know, before COVID-19 and a physiotherapist yeah. for my shoulder. Hard to do online. Yeah. You can't do that, right? I mean, they can't just tell me what to do by way of exercises. I need somebody to work on me, right? But, but there are some treatments... Uh, where, where you know the the the, the uh, uh, treatment providers are able to provide treatments online, or or uh, they're they're able to provide treatments, but there's a backlog and it's taking them time, or you have to see your doctor, for example, for a referral to a treatment provider. My point is this: uh, insurance companies are noticing these difficulties. They understand that people are having difficulties reaching these providers. Some insurance companies, or, or actually more accurately, some adjusters are more reasonable in that it's fine. I, I see correspondence where the adjuster says, listen, we understand the situation, uh, you know, give it a few weeks, maybe a month or two, and then try again and just keep us posted. But I'm also seeing people coming to me with emails and letters from adjusters saying, they're not, they don't say we don't care about the situation, but they're treating it as though it's your problem for not being right. able to go to your treatment provider, despite the fact that, you know, we are essentially still on lockdown. And so in those situations, I want to let people out there understand and know, if you've done everything you could to get those treatments, but you are simply unable to or your treatment provider is unable to for whatever reason to give you those treatments you're used to or, or that you're hoping to get, and you explain that to the adjuster, insurance companies have a duty to be reasonable here. They can't simply ignore the COVID-19 crisis. They can't. So if they're cutting you off or telling you that your LTD will be cut off because you're not getting regular treatments, and you're having difficulty getting regular treatments because of COVID, you let me know. Call me and I'll tell or email me and I'll tell you. I'll, it's not going to cost you anything.
I promise. We give this information out for free daily. I communicate, John, with tons of people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis for free across the country. So don't let the insurance company bully you in, in this kind of a situation. If you've done what you could and you've, you've corresponded with your adjuster, you told your adjuster, I'm having difficulty getting these treatments right now, but our, they're going to resume as soon as the government allows us to resume mm -hmm. these kinds of, of appointments and meetings, th that's fine. Again, if the insurance company says we're going to cut you off regardless, call me immediately. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Call anytime you want to reach out through email, which we're going to get to here in a few minutes. Is help at disabilityrights.ca, and simply disabilityrights.ca is the uh, the website. You can catch uh, more information for reaching out and contact. You'll catch past radio shows and our TV show as well. Links to that. So uh, so go there at your your convenience. Disabilityrights.ca. Coming up, lots more. of The show is on the way. This is the Disability Law Show, and it's on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show, Savan on board. Skulls here as well. We are answering your questions through emails, but first want to get to this, the third and final excuse while we narrow it down to three. Excuses insurance companies are giving for denying COVID-19 related disability claims. Number three is this. You're not giving us the medical updates we are requesting. So, again, we're going to cut you off. Again, John, we talked about this before, but now that we're several months into the whole COVID-19 pandemic, we get it, we're getting a sense of how insurance companies are, are dealing with their insureds. And, and you know, I, I am bothered by some of the behaviors that I'm seeing. Again, some adjusters, and this is, I can't target a specific insurance company, but I can tell you that some adjusters and some insurance companies are not being reasonable. They're not taking into account, on purpose, I think, the COVID-19 crisis. Remember, insurance companies are entitled to a medical update if you're applying or if you're on LTD. They're entitled to this information. They, As they're paying you uh, because you are disabled, they're entitled for updates about your disability because if at some point you're not disabled anymore or you're ready to try a return to work program, well, then they should be aware of that, right? They're not there mm -hmm. as unemployment insurance. They're there as a safety net if you're disabled from working. Uh, so, you know, the issue that comes up now is obviously this uh, pro problem of people being able to reach their physicians, for example, or various treatment providers for a medical update for the insurance company. So if an insurance company, for example, an adjuster says, John, you have to give me an update about your condition uh, from your family doctor uh, by the end of June, and, and, you know, you're doing everything you can and you're not able to get a hold of your doctor or for whatever reason your doctor is not available, whatever the situation is, because of COVID-19, and you relay that to the adjuster, the adjuster has to be reasonable. They can't simply say, we're going to cut you off because you are unable to get this update. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have to get these updates. At the end of the day, you're going to be able to get to your doctor. And if your doctor, for whatever reason, doesn't go back to their office, you're going to have to find a different doctor because you need somebody to continue treatments. But my point is that these delays that we're experiencing now, unfortunately, are being seized upon by some adjusters, at least from what I can see now over the last couple of months, uh, as an excuse to tell someone, if you don't give me that update by a certain date, I'm going to cut you off. And, and as far as I'm concerned, they cannot do that. And if they are doing that and they're not being reasonable, and again, they're not taking into account the limitations and restrictions of COVID-19, we can fight back. 
And I'm not talking about writing to the adjuster. I'm talking about telling the adjuster it's really simple. You either extend that deadline and wait until my client can see the doctor for an update, or if you insist on cutting them off at the end of June, we're going to start an action, a legal claim against the insurance company right now you will see how quickly insurance companies back off. Remember, insurance companies operate on this idea that there is this power imbalance, right? This is what they want you to under. They want you to think that there is this power imbalance. There's this huge, big insurance company that's worth billions of dollars, and then there's you, this little person, right? This individual who, who is you know, hemorrhaging financially and is disabled from working and, and everything else. But the reality is that the law... And I know that I'm sounding, you know, Hollywoodish here, but the law really does even out that playing field. Now, once we get on board, we actually tilt that playing field in your favor because now you will understand what the insurance company's weaknesses are. And we'll tell you very simply, here's what we can do to make them back off. Now, listen, we have to operate within the confines of the law, John. We, I can't, you know, go to the adjuster, put a gun to their head and say, pay this person. I can't do that. Right, but right. I do have tools in my disposal. My team knows really well how to deal with these insurance companies. And, and guess what? These insurance companies know our name. They know our firm name. They know our individual lawyers' names. They've dealt with each of us countless times. So when I tell you you have a case and, and you have an option here and you can fight back, trust me that you can fight back and we will do the fighting for you. You just have to let us do that. Let's get to an email. This uh, first one for the show today from Nancy. Nancy says, uh, hi, guys. My daughter has been on long-term disability for just under a year. She suffers from psychosis and multiple personality disorder. Unfortunately, her psychiatrist moved, and since then, she's had difficulty finding a replacement. Her adjuster is pressuring her to see a doctor they, the insurer, recommends. But she's hesitant. She uh, has someone else in mind, but the adjuster is persistent. She uh, can she be cut off for LTD if she doesn't go to their doctor? It seems like she can, she can be from what the adjuster is telling her. Well, Nancy, first of all, thank you for the email, and uh, you know, John, this is great. I, I love getting questions from concerned family members because oftentimes people who are disabled, especially those who deal with psychological types of disabilities, they can't fend for themselves. They can't, you know, they, they oftentimes don't contact me. It's friends and family members who are concerned who yeah. want to protect them. So here, this is what Nancy is doing for her daughter. So kudos to her. Now, there's a few issues I want to deal with here. Number one, you know, the basic question is. If she doesn't go to their doctor, can she be cut off? Yeah, she can be cut off. That's not to say that your daughter, Nancy, won't have recourse. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if she has another doctor in mind, your daughter, that she wants to go to, she should absolutely go to that doctor. I have yet to see, John, a long-term disability policy anywhere in all my years of practice that says, here is a list of doctors you have to go see for treatment. Now, I'm not talking about going for an assessment. Right? If the insurance company says you need to go to this assessment, you have to go. I mean, policies do require you to comply when it comes to assessments. But when it comes to treatments, when it comes to treatments, I always tell people do not go, do not go to the doctors that uh, the insurance company is telling you to go to. Not because you're bad doctors, but because I'm suspicious as to why they want you to go to those doctors. Right. What are those doctors, what do they have that another doctor that you may have in mind doesn't have? Well, maybe, maybe it's just that the doctor the insurance company is, is, is sending you to uh, will potentially give them a favorable opinion that will not be good for you down the road. Perhaps that doctor will tell the insurance company down the road, oh, this person is much better. They can go back to work. You can cut them off now. 
you know, I'm very, very hesitant about that. So, so Nancy, I can speak with your daughter again for free. I, I just want to reassure her that she has the option here to go to whoever it is she wants to go to for treatments. Okay, very important. And if at all possible, do not go to the insurance doctor for treatments. Uh, because again, I, I just don't like that idea. I don't, I've seen people in other circumstances go to insurance referred doctors uh, with you know unfavorable results down the road you know and yeah. it's just not something that I that I advise on we'll get to more emails here in just a moment want to take a quick break and come right back to do uh, to do lots more in the meantime reach out do it a few ways you want to send an email along and uh, get some some answers help at disabilityrights.ca you can also go to mydisabilityquestions.com leave your questions there they're answered there's also a drop down menu of past questions as well an archive if you will and the phone number anytime of course 1-855-821-5900 disability law show continues this is global news radio The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show is back, and uh, welcome to it. If you're just joining us, you want to reach out to Savannah James or Tamar, member of the uh, fantastic team, it's one 855 821 5,900 email that we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for the next little while, hopefully not too much longer, covidrights.ca is a uh, is a website with lots of information put together by the guys at the firm there as well. Want to get to uh, Donna. Donna's email up next says, My best friend has been denied LTD long-term disability last year, and she appealed twice and got rejected both times despite the help of a lawyer. She had a nervous breakdown after a messy divorce and a miscarriage. I'm wondering if you can help. She's all but given up. Her doctor insists that she should be off on uh, off work for a while, but she keeps getting rejected, and she's almost ready to give up. Can you help her? Hi, Donna. Well, thank you for your email, and again, looking out for your best friend. I, I think we yep. can. I would like to see the den- denial letter, and I'd like to see the doctor's uh, medical report saying she's disabled and explaining what the nature of the disability is and how that affects her um, functionality at work but my gut sense is that just based on your email we can help now John here's something interesting and I'm sure I'm sure that that you caught this uh, she says that her best friend appealed twice and got rejected both times despite the help of a lawyer how many times do we have to talk about this you know I don't blame people for for you know taking the bait that insurance companies give them you know when they when they deny your long-term disability claim or they cut you off or even if they haven't cut you off yet they're telling you in the future in a month two months five months we're gonna cut you off each one of these letters I mean if you're one of these people just scan to the bottom of the letter you will see one or two paragraphs that specifically state that you have the right to appeal to appeal that denial, to appeal that cutoff. And you know, when they say you have a right, or, or you know, they make it sound formal, like it's some kind of a formal process that there is a third party. They're not saying that, but they're saying, yeah. you know, you have this right with further documentation, we will assess. This is garbage. It's absolute garbage. Now, adjusters out there, insurance companies out there may be livid at me saying that. I'm talking anecdotally, okay? So if you want to give me statistics, I would love. I would love, John, to have someone from the insurance industry, someone with knowledge and background about appeals, come on this show and tell me that there are actually statistics as to how many of these appeals are actually successful in the first level, second level, and third level of appeals. And I guarantee you, John, I guarantee you we're not going to have anyone on this show 
No and even if someone came on the show, they wouldn't be able to give me numbers. I even asked Terry, Terry Corcoran, right, back then. And my understanding is insurance companies either don't keep statistics or they're never going to release those statistics because these appeals are nonsense. Now, what concerns me, Donna, is that your friend did that, as you put it, despite the help of a lawyer. Oh, boy, if I could just talk to that lawyer, you know, and knock some sense into that lawyer. I have seen lawyers out there who who say that they, they do long-term disability claims, and, and, you know, upon examining their profile on their website and examining, you know, cases out there that they've been involved in, they don't do disability. Or if they do, it's a very, very small percentage of their practice. You know, you want to go to a specialist or someone that has a focus on this area of law. It's very important. You're not going to go to a dentist for heart surgery. I've said that before. Right? I mean, you want a lawyer that deals with disability. You want a law firm that deals substantially with disability law, like like what we do. And, and you know, if you go to a lawyer and that lawyer says, okay, let me appeal this for you once, twice, I mean, something is very wrong there with the advice that, that Donna's friend was getting from the lawyer as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I, again, if a lawyer is telling you to appeal this, what can I tell you? I mean, you have to really scrutinize that advice. You have to read up on it because I'm telling you uh, that uh, the vast majorities of appeals that I have seen people undertake end up in complete failure and, frankly, exhaustion, psychological exhaustion for individuals and financial exhaustion. Because you know, John, when you do these appeals, they don't happen within a day. I've seen people appeal once, twice, three times and come to me really uh, after about a year or two, almost two years later and say, listen, what do I do now? And I tell them, well, it's too bad you appealed three times because, you know, I could have already reserved your claim, uh, you know, (laughs) your case by now. You remember, we, we resolve these kinds of claims once we issue a, a, a legal claim fairly quickly. And we do that because now we're putting real pressure on the insurance company. None of that appeal nonsense, which is all internal. Appeals are not external processes. Okay, understand this. There is no one there from the outside that is looking at your material. It's the exact same people who denied you in the first place. It's the same individuals or it's the same group of people who are looking at what's their incentive to reverse their decision. So, you know, again, you want to appeal, you don't want to listen to me, that's your prerogative, but understand that people like Donna's friend, there are thousands of those people. And I speak with them probably every day, I speak to a few people like that. So be very, very careful. Donna, again, you know, after the show, we'll connect. I can help your friend. My team can help your friend. Trust me, we will make this right. Donnie, you've got the email, obviously. I'm going to shoot the uh, the phone number your way. You can use that as well after the show, one 821 5900 You want to send an email along, we'll, uh, we'll get to it on uh, either this show or a future show for sure. So bring it on, help at disabilityrights.ca. And you want to leave questions anytime, it's mydisabilityquestions.com. More of the Disability Law Show is on the way right here, Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show is back. Savannah, ready to take your uh, your emails and your questions. Want to get to Sam here in a moment. Stand by, Sam. Your email is next. But you just you just got something on your uh, on your mobile device. I just device. got what something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just got an email from an individual. 
uh, who um, uh, says that uh, the insurance, so he's been on LTD with, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the insurance company, it's a very prominent insurance company, and uh, uh, he says that the, the insurance adjuster says that he's coming up to the two-year mark and his LTD mm-hmm. payments are now going to stop. Uh, no other explanation. He's 51 years old. Uh, he's listened to our show before, and, and so he has a copy of his policy, and he says there's. It actually says that if he continues to be disabled from doing any occupation, uh, th- then then he should be able to continue receiving LTD up until age 65, if he remains yeah. disabled up until age 65. And uh, he's saying he's receiving $5,000 a month in LTD. Wow. So that's $60,000 a year, John. So that so so let let's break this down. This this is this is like we're doing this right now. So he's 51 years old. Let's assume he remains disabled for another 14 years until age 65. I'm doing okay. the math in my head. 14 years times sixty thousand dollars. That's eight hundred and forty thousand dollars. If he simply walks away from his claim, and he actually remains disabled until age 65, then the insurance company would be pocketing eight hundred and forty thousand dollars of wow. his money. Damn. That is insane. Oh, that's crazy. Can you imagine? John, I can't tell you how many people are in that position. And, 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 he, and here's the bad part. So he's contacting me because, of course, something doesn't make sense because he listens to the show. Many people are under the impression that they only have long-term disability for two years. Two years. Now, some people do have very limited time frames for LTD. I usually see this uh, when individuals purchase their own private disability insurance. You know, they will try and save some money so they'll only get LTD coverage for two years. Never do that, by the way. Never do that. Why would you? But generally, when you have the traditional types of LTD policies, usually the ones you get through work or the ones that you purchase, but to age 65. Oh, and by the way, some of them go even beyond age 65. But let's say 65. Uh, no, th- your benefits do not end at the two-year mark. The test for getting those benefits changes, but not the actual, uh, uh, you know, benefit time frame. So in this case, I'm going to tell this individual, hold on for a second. What's going on here? Are you still disabled from doing any occupation? What do you have to support that? Uh, do we need more letters from your doctors? But here you have an adjuster telling him your benefits are ending because you've reached that two-year mark with no explanation that the test just changes, not not the, the you know the entitlement to benefits. So I, this is just, it, it infuriates me, you know. Now, in many instances, when an individual gets uh, a letter, a formal letter from the adjuster that says, you know, you're approaching the two-year mark or you're the two-year mark, they actually flesh out and explain that own occupation versus any occupation test. Right. They actually say, if we ascertain that at the two-year mark, uh, 24-month mark, you cannot do any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience, then you will continue getting LTD. I have no problem with that, although I do think adjusters should be explaining it, not just writing it down for people. Uh, but in this case, this person wasn't even given a letter. He was just told on the phone by the adjuster. I don't know, maybe a letter is forthcoming. But my point, John, is people need to understand, if you if you think that your benefits uh, ended at the two-year mark or close to it, but you're still disabled, well, not if you think, if you know that you know they ended or if you're being told they're going to end, don't take it at face value that you're not owed in any more benefits, just like this individual here. I mean, man, John, if he walks away from this, can you imagine? Again, 800, almost a million dollars. Yeah. Now multiply this by how many people out there are getting these kinds of messages, mixed messages from insurance companies. How many millions of dollars 
are being pocketed by insurance companies every single day, week, month, year. Just do the math. No wonder these are billion-dollar entities. Get to an email here from Sam. As promised, Sammy, you're up next. Uh, Sam says, guys, my father is 64 years old and has been taking various medications for years. From the same pharmacy, last summer the pharmacy made a mistake and gave him the wrong medication for over a month, and by the time the mistake was discovered, my father's health had deteriorated to the point where he needed someone to help him at home, and he couldn't work anymore. He used to be a barber. I'm just wondering if the pharmacy is responsible for this. The pharmacist apologized for the error and even offered to pay for some of my father's expenses, but my fear is that the long-term damage that this caused him. What do you think? Well, I, I think, uh, Sam, that your father and, frankly, your family is entitled to significant damages here. And I have dealt with a case like this very, very recently. I can't give specific information about the case because we resolved right. it. By the way, without a legal claim, I dealt with the insurance company for the pharmacist, who, by the way, acknowledged there was a mistake. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, pharmacists are very good people. I mean, God knows we need them, especially now during COVID, but just generally, they're very professional, they're good, but they make mistakes like everyone sure. else. Lawyers make mistakes, engineers make mistakes, doctors, pharmacists do. That's why we all have insurance. And, and Sam, this is your uh, father's decision and the family's decision as to what to do. But I can tell you that in, in the cases that I have dealt with, with, with pharmaceutical mix-ups, uh, I have been able to resolve these claims fairly quickly and I'll tell you, in some cases, for significant amounts of money. And when I say significant, I'm talking about, you know, six figures. And I'm not going to tell you where in the six-figure range, but because it, it, it's it's all case-specific, obviously. Of course. But you know, if you're dealing with someone who's 64 years old, as an example, and the person needs somebody to help him at home several hours uh, a day or or a week, just do the math. What that means if you extrapolate that over 10 years, for example. And, and in in this situation, you know, Sam's father used to be a barber. I mean, if there is an income loss component now, you know, this is a six-figure claim, Sam. And here's the thing. I actually don't think uh, that it's going to take a long time to resolve. So, no, we deal with cases like this. Again, you're dealing with insurance companies. It's not going to be the pharmacist who's going to pay. It's going to be the insurance company. And if the if the pharmacist made a mistake, well, then the insurance company that he paid all these premiums for is going to have to pay up. It's just, you know, what can you do? This is just the law allows that, and, and, and rightly so, because Sam's father should not be held responsible, should not bear the brunt, the financial brunt of, of you know, his deterioration of his health. So, yeah, no, we can help in these kinds of situations, Sam. Uh, so after the show, let's just get in touch with each other, and I can give you, your father, and the family all the information you need, again, for absolutely free, so you guys can decide how you want to proceed. Sam, appreciate you uh, reaching out. You got the email, of course. Now I'm going to give you the phone number. Keep this as well and make that phone call. Do not hesitate. Uh, 1-855-821-5900. We'll continue here. Take a short break. Get back into your uh, more emails. Laura, you're up next. I'll stand by for that. Thank you for your contribution. Help at disabilityrights.ca is that email address. It's the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Disability Law Show. We're right back out of here. Last few minutes of the show. If you're just joining us, you want to reach out, get a hold of Savannah and the crew. It's a 1-855-821-5900. Want more of a private chat? You can use that number. Email as well as help at disabilityrights.ca. And there's a wonderful resource called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. There you can leave your questions to be answered swiftly by Savannah or a member of his team. Search your question as well first. There's a a high probability that it has been asked and answered in depth before. If not, leave it there, and it'll get uh, swept up and taken care of for sure. So we're going to move on to uh, to Laura here. Laura's email says, uh, I'm immunocompromised because of a lung condition, and I've been on LTD for over five years. Recently, a new adjuster took over my file and started asking a lot of the same questions I've answered hundreds of times before, but this lady is very condescending and disrespectful. She emailed me last Thursday saying that she doesn't think that I should be off work completely and that I could do something remotely, like answer calls for companies who are working remotely now because of the pandemic. I'm a graphic designer by trade, so I don't know what she means. I used to earn close to $120,000 a year before my condition became disabling, and now with COVID-19, I'm even uh, more stressed than ever. I don't know what to do. Well, Laura, I, uh, I'll tell you what to do. So first of all, let's start off from the proposition here that you're a, the new adjuster is a moron. Uh, and, and, and frankly, a disrespectful one at that. And I yeah. say that because she assumes you're going to just walk away from your rights and you're going to be bullied by her. Uh, so th- that's just not right. And I want to tell everyone out there, because, John, I, I got an email yesterday as well from a mother concerned for her uh, 22-year-old daughter about a very condescending and disrespectful adjuster. Let's make one thing clear here. These adjusters work for you. I know that technically they're getting paid by the insurance company, but they're your adjusters. Whether you're dealing with a disability claim or a house insurance claim or uh, a, a car accident claim, these adjusters are there to uh, you know, adjudicate your claim in good faith. That is the duty that their bosses you know, the insurance company owes you under the policy. And we have cases from the courts that state that, okay? There is absolutely no excuse for anyone uh, to speak disrespectfully and in a condescending manner to an individual who's on disability. Now, in this case, Laura, you're saying you've been on LTD for five years. So, so what you're saying, if you have a standard policy, is that you've crossed that threshold from own occupation to any occupation yeah. at the two-year mark. So for three years now, you've been on the any occupation side of the LTD claim, which means that the insurance company has recognized that you are in fact disabled because of your lung condition uh, for for all this time. Now, the fact that there is a new adjuster, that's okay. You know, there's a rotation. You know, people switch jobs. People move into different positions. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I don't even see anything wrong with an adjuster saying, I have some questions for you. And, you know, the adjuster may try to familiarize themselves with the, with the yeah, claim, with your, right. with your file. So it's okay sometimes to have this overlap. I understand. It's a human thing. You know, we're not robots. However, this adjuster should not be condescending. And what you can do about that is the following. Number one. You need to uh, 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 tell this adjuster that you will not tolerate that kind of behavior. And you can do that in writing. You don't have to do that by phone. You can send an email. In fact, you should send an email where you outline exactly what led to you requesting that change in behavior. That's number one. Number two, if it persists, ask for a new adjuster. 
Okay, contact this adjuster's manager, explain the situation again in writing and ask for a new adjuster. And number three, make sure you update your doctors uh, and, and, and tell your doctors how much stress and anxiety this is causing you. Because again, if at some point down the road we have to start a legal claim against this insurance company, uh, John, we're going to be citing the fact that the insurance company actually contributed to her disability, not from the lung standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint. Now, let's deal with the issue of, uh, you know, you working remotely uh, uh, because of the pandemic and all that, you know, answering calls. There's no way you're going to make anything close to commensurate income if you were earning $120,000 pre-disability uh, as, as a graphic designer. You know, generally, when, when we try to figure out if a person can do any other occupation, uh, then we're trying to figure out if the person can earn 60 or 65%, that's sort of the benchmark, of your pre-disability income, right? So, so we're talking in this case, what? I mean, my math is not the best, but seventy, eighty thousand dollars if you were making $120,000 before? I mean, you're not going to make that answering calls, you know? Uh, so, so, you know, the reality is, Laura, uh, that the insurance company, this new adjuster, is probably looking for an excuse or a reason to cut you off. So it's a good thing you, you contacted me. Uh, but, you know, my suggestion is that after the show, we get in touch with each other, I can get some more information and tell you more specific strategies on how to deal with this adjuster in the insurance company just in case they do the unthinkable thing here and cut you off disability. But let me tell you something, Laura. You have rights. You have rights. The insurance company has already recognized for several years that you cannot do any occupation for which you're suited for. So I am comfortable that if they took the unthinkable position that you should be off LTD, we could fight back and force them not only to pay you what you're owed, but potentially even punitive damages, which is, you know, uh, damages that we seek when we want to punish the insurance company for high-handed conduct, for malicious conduct. Mm -hmm. and, and the basis for that, in my mind, would be the behavior of this adjuster and the fact that they're trying to find an artificial excuse for getting you off claim. So we can help you, Laura. Don't worry about it. Smart move, sending the email along, Laura. We're going to leave it there for the uh, for the day. You want to reach out now that we are done with this particular show. You can always uh, catch it online at disabilityrights.ca. That goes for the TV show as well. Links on the website. Email address that we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, toll free, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. And again, you want to leave questions to be answered at a later time in depth. It is mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.